Welcome to episode 32 of the Travelling Wellness Show. For today's show, I'm in Cairns, far north Queensland, and recording directly from the caravan with business mentor and good buddy Sean Sewell, who, like me, made the decision to leave his old life behind and hit the road for a new life adventure. This episode has simply spawned from the mass interest in this way of living and the many people that we've met along the journey who also decided to take the plunge and live life without regret. The content of today's show is focused around the five primary steps that Sean and I believe are required to take your own power back and live life by your terms. These steps are not centered around a traveling lifestyle, so please don't fear that this conversation isn't for you. The primary goal of this recorded chat was just to get you thinking and to inspire some life questions which are often forgotten amidst the everyday. Today's show is of course brought to you by our crowd favorite, Cell Charge. We are so grateful for your support and constant positive feedback about this remarkable product. You can learn more about Cell Charge at cellcharge.com. Please enjoy this show. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. Caravan Conversations is proudly produced by PSE Supplements and explores general health, nutrition and lifestyle with one of Australia's most experienced clinicians. Now, let's get into the show. Well, we're rolling. Welcome, guys, to this episode of the Travelling Wellness Show. I'm Shannon Brenton, your host, and I'm excited to be here today up in the tropical area of Cairns in far northern Queensland. And today's episode is uh, very much an impromptu one. Uh, I'm up here with... um, friend of mine and uh, old mentor of mine, Sean Sewell, and uh, Sean has made the big leap with his family just four and a half months ago to uh, follow suit and travel this beautiful country in a uh, 24 foot nine, 24 foot nine, Jayco, yep. uh, silver line. That's it, yep, that's it. <laughs> with his kids and wife, and it's funny guys, we were just, we've actually just got out of the pool. What day is it today, Sean? I think it's Tuesday, I think. Tuesday? Yeah, so it's Tuesday, we've just got out of the pool, we've just been going in the slide with our kids and having fun. And uh, this morning, we're just sitting around having a chat, just as we do. And um, I don't know why, but the sort of the, the context and the content for what today's uh, episode is about just sort of just rolled off our tongue. I think we were just in a little bit of a, um, um, what, what would you say, a uh, reflective mood. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, we thought, you know what, uh, we have people all the time, even uh, Sean and his short time on the road has people all the time asking, you know, like, how have you gone from, you know, uh, business entrepreneur to, you know, traveling on the road? Hence why we're calling this. Uh, from the boardroom to the beach. And that's literally what we've done. We've taken our businesses and our lives and our families, you know, from uh, the life we once knew and the life that most people lead. And now we travel around from beach to beach to beach and yep. sometimes some shells in between. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, But the, the point is uh, we do things our way. And, you know, Sean and I were discussing success this morning and uh, success for both of us really comes down to one word, that word being choice. So, uh, like I said, an impromptu uh, episode today, really just Sean and I having a chat about what we believe are the five pivotal steps that must be taken, must be uh, valued, must be uh, looked at and therefore implemented in order to make uh, a drastic change to your life. Now, for us, that life has been about um, where we live and and how we live, and that's put us on the road and put us in close connection with our families and put us in connection with people that we wouldn't always get to see. We're making new friends and going new places, and the world really is our oyster. For you, however, uh, you know, this 
pivotal change or shift for you might not be as drastic, but you'll find that these five steps are still uh, very, very applicable to you as far as uh, a process of your own success goes. So in whatever shape or form that will be, I hope you guys find this to be a really interesting episode. And um, I'm going to introduce Sean very quickly now. Uh, as I said, Sean's a, a friend of mine. Uh, didn't start that way. He was the, uh, the, the main man, the sidekick to Kerwin Ray, who I interviewed uh, only a few weeks back and did a podcast with, which you guys have all loved. Um, Sean worked uh, with Kerwin in the early phases of getting the K2 Elite um, program up Absolutely. up and running and was a uh, you know an influential force in there and uh, you know Sean has just moved sideways to that and come away traveling and doing his own thing but uh, he was my uh, mentor within the K2 program um, for the year that I was part of it and Sean was actually pivotal in helping me to work out the ways in which I was capable of uh, you know packing up my gym, mm. cafe, clinic rooms, all Selling the stuff. a few of them off and all yeah, that. Yeah, all the stuff that I had going on and, you know, supplement company and the like and, and actually be able to, you know, travel my dreams when I actually felt quite trapped within it um, mm. previous. So, you know, it's, it's funny for me sitting here with someone that helped me do it who's now done it himself. But because it's so fresh, Sean, makes today's communication even that much bit sweeter, eh? Indeed, indeed. So it is, it is very fresh and uh, it's definitely taken probably two to three months to really get into... Um, the change like it was such a drastic change from from what it used to look like before you know the house you know two cars kids in a you know yeah, private school um you know multiple businesses being in the office every day uh, all that sort of stuff through to now working about 20 25 hours a week roughly because um, the reason why you know, we could have gone around australia for a year uh you know without me working but as I said to my wife when she suggested that I said can you imagine me not working for 6 or 12 months I don't think, <laughs> I think divorce uh, yes yes. Yeah. so but it's because I work in my passion which is working with people and helping people succeed um, I, I just can't not do it so it doesn't matter where I go whether we catch up for a coffee and you know we'll, we, we both do it we're very much um, that's about supporting and serving other people um, but yeah, it took a while to get used to that uh, different working environment and obviously, you know, living in a small space and mm. not really having an office to go to. My office is effectively now the passenger seat of my four-wheel drive. I go and drive it and park it, mm. you know, looking out on the ocean or river or somewhere nice and mm. do my uh, do my work from there and, and speak to people from there, which is great. So before we get into the five steps, which we will do very quickly, um, tell us what, what prompted the shift for you. I know when I came down, I, I, uh, I presented at uh, the K2 um, program June last, last year, year, June yeah. last year, I flew down from Darwin and I remember looking in your eyes and realising you're serious, you know, you're asking me so, a lot of questions, I gave you my matrix analogy of the red and blue pill, I think that uh, <laughs> I think that was a little That's, bit of a light yeah, bulb moment, it. It, yeah. but, but really what is it for you, you know, you had good business, you're in a good crew, working with Kerwin was obviously excellent, you, yep. you had very, very good contact with people that you adored, you know, you knew their businesses intimately, mm. you, were, mm. you were excited to help these people, what was the problem? <laughs> that was the thing, it was like, a, it was, I guess it was like an itch and it's started I mean it started off me about 10 years ago and it was almost like I um, was having the you know a little tiny bite of that red pill you know and my my personal company is named Matrix after the Matrix movie so that's why you had me at ah, the blue or the red pill you know? um, so so yeah so it's it's uh, I had a, a stronger I suppose um, connection to the Matrix uh, movie the first one in particular mm. um, and the concepts of, of that, when you said, you know, it's like you've taken the red pill when you've come back to Sydney and looked around and has gone, what the heck is this? It's a very different perspective. I'm like, you know what? That's what I've kind of been having a little tiny shift of in my working with so many different business owners and so many people and working, you know, not, not in a sense of, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're a business coach or a business consultant. Well, I'm not. I, I, I'm a mentor of people. I, I grow people. Mm -hmm. I don't grow businesses. Um, and it 
as a default that will help grow a business, of course. But if the person doesn't grow, then you know, then the business won't generally grow around them. Mm. Um, and my goal is legacy. It's to impact that person. So that person then speaks differently to their wife, to their kids. You know, sends a different message out and things like that. So I guess the um, you know, fast forward say uh, it was about six years ago that I started working alongside Kerwin. We we started a business together. Um, we have some equity in a couple of companies, and then he came up with the model of the, the K2 model, which is a longer term one rather than those individual events. And that really started to resonate with me. And I started to move away from the boardroom, so to speak, and um, of doing things like helping people raise capital or sell a business or acquire a business or merge a business, a very you know, corporate finance type uh, background stuff, uh, you know, jacket and, and bloody suit sort of sort of wearing uh, mm-hmm. wearing stuff, which is was never felt like my suit of armour. It just wasn't what I'm used to. And um, basically, yeah, so from there, um, that journey uh, amongst my own discoveries and, and working with many different healers, energy healers, you know, hypnotherapists, um, you know, all sorts of modalities, uh, you know, you and I have worked together on a, on a level of that as well. Um, and Dr. Kyle Dodsworth, who was also on one of your shows previously, um, you know, and, and just working on myself and obviously being exposed to that environment um, that, of K2 Elite was just incredible because I've built such a strong network of people through that, that that's the value that I took away from. The most value is the relationships I've got, like the relationship with yourself. Mm. Um, and uh, there's so many great relationships that I've got from that. And, you know, I, I, am, I was an absolute and am a supporter of that model. It's just a different model. I was looking at it as it scaled because I do one-on-one. Uh, like, well, sorry, I thrive in the one-on-one space where it really gives me a lot of soul food. Mm. Um and as it started to scale, I started to feel less relevant. I started to feel diluted that when I'd walk up to someone at an event and I'd have to look at their name tag and I still really didn't know who they were, that was just telling me, you know, just for me, for what I what drives me, um, it just wasn't working anymore. And I really needed to, to connect, um, I think, also with myself because going through a lot of other people, seeing what they're going through and what they're doing, is, it was part of it. Um, because it is, we're all on a journey of our self-discovery, and it's reflected through everyone we. And that's more see important, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, what you it see is. in others is is what yeah. you resonate within yourself. Absolutely, and it opens you up to, I guess, look at yourself more critically. Yeah. And start to uh, ask those questions about mm. what you want. You know, you talk soul food. What yeah. fills you up? You know, yeah. what fills that cup up? You know, the sort yeah. of thing that, that offers long-term fulfillment. Absolutely. Fulfillment, of course, not necessarily coming you know straight from money, right? Well, that's right. And you know, we talked about that this morning. Is um. Uh, from my my upbringing and and uh, the approach from my parents, it was very much uh, I I learnt that abundance and wealth and things all related to and success all related to money, nothing well, else, just you, money. You said to me this morning, and I loved it. You said abundance came from money. Came from money. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's so right. and and you know what's funny you say that because when you said that this morning, it was almost like gulp. You know, I mean, like I, I haven't I hadn't thought of that way. <laughs> yeah. But but even I even I probably in guilty of that even now you hear the word abundance and instantly you think lots of fucking money yeah, that yeah. I can then go and do that 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 yeah. and that with or buy my time back whatever it might mm, be mm. but uh, it's really not so true is it no no and as you and I both know, you know we, we've had to sacrifice um, many things you know it's, and part of that is financial um, you know I've sacrificed and cut back on on you know well in the six figures uh, a year in, in revenue or income personal income mm, mm. from my businesses from the other things I was involved in um, to have this experience and to me I feel far more abundant and far more successful waking up every day um, doing this and something, you know, I said, oh, you know, I'm sleeping in probably a bit too much and something. You go, well, that's a freaking good thing. You yeah. know, when, when did you do that in the last 25 years? I'm that's like, right. Yeah, well, never. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's a, it's a, I now understand abundance in a broader sense. Now, I can always go out and make some more money. I can always consult to more people or bring in more clients or do this or do that. And that's fine. But what I can't do is I can't, 
get the time back with my nine-year-old and my six-year-old. Mm. And what I was finding is, because I love what I did, I tended to work more than I probably needed to at the cost of that relationship mm. and, and or relationship developing with, with my kids, uh, but also with my wife too, because I was very, very immersed in helping everyone else that sometimes I'd be a little bit, um, you know, battery be a little bit flat. I think that's a very sad reality that too many people feel, mm. you know, and I guess, you know, we sit here now smiling, looking back because it's, it's a reflective moment. But, um, you know, let's put ourselves right back there. You know, when you're working those 50, 60, 80, 100 hour weeks, whatever they may be, and you come home to those little faces that, you know, they don't want money, they yeah. want dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just was, time. yeah, I was just reading a thing yesterday about Anthony Kiedis from uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and what he spends his money on these days, which interests me, you know, because obviously mm. I knew it was going to be something insightful around how he changed. And uh, they were talking about the fact that, you know, he in, in the 80s, it was drugs. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what he spent his money on. Yeah. In the 90s, it, it was art. You know, he was yeah. a big art collector and, and um, earned a lot of money, you know, basically buying these things for uh, for you know, his own collection that he would later on sell and, and make oodles from. And these days, what he buys is experiences. Mm-hmm. And those experiences are with his kids. And he sat in there and he was the interview was actually with a psychologist and he was saying in there that... Um, you know, his his kids value an experience far more than they experience, than they value a toy or a thing. You know, because those toys or things are short lived and uh, unfortunately tend to create little turds out of our children that have this Absolutely. yeah me 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 give me more type mentality. Yeah. It's never enough. Um, whereas you know, for him to pack his kids up and go and you know walk five days in a Machu Picchu or somewhere like mm. that, and have you know a, a physical experience, an emotional experience, an energetic and spiritual experience, a mm. bonding experience, that's the kind of stuff that you know, grows the kids up with a level of self, a level of memory, a level Absolutely. of connection that no amount of money ever can't ever can. Do you yeah. know, so. What I'd like to do, if you don't mind, because I know that a lot of you and, and, and your background will come out as we go through these things. Mm-hmm. I just want to tear into the five things. So you Absolutely. and I this morning, just chewing the fat, we come up with five things that, that we believe are, are valuable for people who are wanting to look at, uh, I guess, taking their own power back, moving their life in the direction that they want to, yep. if they want to. You know, right. this, is, uh, this is by no means a podcast of us telling you that what we're doing is what you should do, not mm-hmm. at all. But you know, if you do have that inkling, guys, you know, that, you know, of of dissatisfaction or or, mm. or lack of fulfillment or lack of passion or purpose around your life that it doesn't need to be that way and Sean and I have constructed five tools here that we believe will really bring everyone to a point uh, where you're able to start to make that positive shift in your life if that's what you choose so how about Sean you start us off with number one which is the biggest one I must the say the biggest one is uh, comes down to critical evaluation you know and uh, it, it really is about asking yourself the right questions and and not I guess and what I felt shifted uh, for me was the, uh, I guess I was being programmed as we all can be by being exposed to the media, you know, particularly now social media, things like that, where we're being primed for certain things and we should have this thing and we, you know, we need to keep, we keep up with the Joneses or whatever it is. But I started to... Who are these fucking Joneses, mate? Yeah, Seriously, I've never <laughs> met the Joneses, but I wish they didn't exist. I know. I'm sure we'll bump into them in you know, caravan parks. Punch them in the but, nose. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really about critically evaluating where you are versus is this effectively what I signed up for? Like, yeah. is this what I actually want? And, I, and, I th- and there's a process I go through with every single client that I work with. It's the first thing I go through with them is to get people to define what success actually means for them. Mm. Not what they... Are projected it, oh, you need a private jet and $10 million in the bank. Well, there's plenty of people with $10 million in the bank that aren't very happy. Yeah, miserable know? bastards. They're miserable bastards. They're on their own or they're, they're you know, they've had 17 divorces or who knows, you know, yeah. and money isn't giving them abundance, yeah. you know, because they're tying 
success to But I to thought make. you said abundance was tied to money, Sean. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be it's, in my head. It, that, that's uh, a classic statement not. though, mate. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know so many people, and you would know probably a hundred times more than me because you're in that space. But for every person out there that's happy with money, mate, I can show you a thousand others that are miserable with money. Absolutely. And, and probably twice as miserable as they were previous because mm-hmm. the money has highlighted the degree of misery mm-hmm. that these people actually exist within. You yep. know what I mean? Uh, everyone's always like, well, you know, when I've got me, you know, seven-figure income, I'll yep. be sweet. You know, but when you get there and you realise that your balls deep in an eighty-hour week to make that happen, and you know you're in your third marriage right now, and your first two children to two different women don't talk to you, yep. all of a sudden your definition of you know that success may may start to change somewhat. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so. What are the questions, you know, like, so when you, when you start talking about, you know, um, having a, a, a deeper communication with yourself mm, and, mm. and living critically, which we know lacks in most people, you, you're talking about, you know, um, uh, purpose and passion and drive and yep. that's what you're talking about. Mm, yeah. So who, who am I and why am I here? Where am I going? Yep. And, and it really is a, it's a feeling thing, not a thinking thing, you know, and for me, mm. someone who came from a background of being very much in my head, yep. um, uh, you know ramifications of some of that, and the, the the stories where I was told, you know, I had clinical depression for 17 years until I was 34, and um, and uh, it's um uh, that was something that eventually I managed to move past because I realised that the identity that I was being told that I was was actually not who I was. So mm. I'd actually gone through that process, you know, I said about mid 30s, uh, which is what about eight nine years ago now, and. Good timing, you know. My son was born around that time as well, and and so there was there was a you know a bit of a change there. Um, Step back from some businesses. I had you know a number of businesses. There was I think a group of we had twelve or something, and you know in financial planning and insurance and legal and property and you name it, we had it. Um, you know we were growing rapidly, and you know in two thousand eight the uh, the GFC took our took our knees out from under us and really helped me to assess do I actually enjoy what I'm doing? Mm. And the answer to that was no, I actually hated it. Absolutely hated it. And it got to that point where I really just didn't, didn't enjoy it or didn't enjoy my life. And it was a feeling thing. So I went back from head to heart. And Even though you journey. had cool stuff though, right? Even though I had, had the nice cool stuff. And yeah, I had the cool nice stuff. And, 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 and we could go out and dinner whenever we wanted to and we could do this, we could do that. But it was hollow. you know. And, and it started really noticing that if anything, starting to do that would take away rather than give. Mm. you know. Mm. And it was like, you know what? something's wrong there's something out of whack but I didn't want to hear it my, my ego was telling me that oh no no that's just, just rubbish you know you don't want to hear it you need to have these things you need to have that you need to keep up with this person and compare to that person and mm-hmm. in the end though it was as I say it was a feeling thing it was am I fulfilled and do I feel successful mm. but then I came to back to that question what is success what is it to me and it was that one million dollars thing you know power mm-hmm. money perception of, yeah. of status and more stuff ego. just ego driven mm-hmm. and and you know, finally, I managed to to move past and and um, and and really get to that you know point where a good friend that you know him to also John Broadbent um, talked to me at one point you know a while ago about the death of the ego. You know, and it's like a, it's almost like a death within mm-hmm. yourself, where you can actually be reborn as uh, where the ego is no longer in control. Mm-hmm. It's still important, it's still called, relevant. It's called purification. Absolutely, yeah. and uh, and that that is a, definitely a process that I I moved through, and and it came purely through critically evaluating irrespective of how it made me feel, I mm. still evaluate and again, you know what? I actually am not successful despite all of this because now that I've defined what success means, which to me is, is choice 
and the impact they have on people around me. Mm. You know, that's that's it. That's that's my definition. So how does one move from head to heart? We're programmed to live in our head, right? You know, which becomes our inner critic, which drives us to want more and more and more. Yep. I believe media is mostly to blame for this. They tell you you need the car. They tell you you need the stuff. They tell you, you know, people based on... gadget or whatever. Yeah, live in constant debt and, and mm. need for that, that next European car, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. What's what's your suggestion in, in moving from head to heart? How does, how does someone make that transition, just in your own words? I guess at first I had to really be open to to believing it wasn't a whole lot of woo-woo rubbish mm. because at first in my head or my ego kept telling me yeah. that it was a whole bunch of woo-woo garbage you know like that oh that's just rubbish you know that you can feel this and you can sense that and all sort of crap but the more I investigated it the more I looked at it from you know different studies and things out there and more I exposed myself to you know uh, we call it self-development content or, or went to different events and things like that and then obviously in the last five to six years being around the environment in uh, in Kerwin's business and things like that has been immensely valuable to me to be part of that journey of so many people but also then allowing that to reflect back to me mm. to um, uh, become vulnerable I guess you know let me let me sidestep a little bit you know I also create a definition of leadership for myself around the same time as I did it around success and leadership, what I mean by that is the skin that I wear. It's how I show up sitting here talking to you. It's how if we went out to dinner or went to a party or went to work or was in a meeting or whatever, I show up the same way. It's it's my skin that I wear. And it used to be the ego, the money, the power, all that sort of stuff. But I worked out it to be three words, which is humble, authentic, and vulnerable. And that became my yardstick. So I said, am I turning up? Am I humble? Am I being authentic? And am I being vulnerable? Because by starting to do that, and vulnerability was really hard for me. I think I'd shed a tear three times in 22 years. Mm. Um, and they were very extreme situations, such as you know, death in the family and things like that, that triggered that. I literally was unable to to express uh, vulnerability at all. And on that journey of, of pushing through... Because vulnerability, f- a lot of the time, for a lot of people, equals weakness. Yes. Doesn't it? And no one right. wants to That's appear right. weak or be weak or feel yep. weak. Yep. So, you know, when all of a sudden it's like, well, I've got to be vulnerable, I've got to let people in, I've got to be able to, you know, explore a depth mm. of myself which might not be overly comfortable. Yep. That means, you know, I'm weak, I'm not as strong as I thought. We've actually got to start to come to a realisation yep. that, you know, <laughs> we might not be all that. Mm-hmm. And, and and you're right, it's, it, it is perceived, I think, socially that... We, that is a weakness. That being vulnerable is a weakness, particularly being male as mm. well. And and unless you're in a relationship with a woman, <laughs> yes. And then she loves it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he's so absolutely. nice. <laughs> he's so open. He hears me. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a good way of getting the chicks. I reckon yeah, yeah, yeah. just be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very good at that. Wasn't says very good at that in the early days. But, says uh, who they got one twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> might well, have changed now. Eighteen years ago for me. So uh, similar thing. But um, uh, you know, and uh, oh, I was a singer in a rock band, so maybe that helped. I don't know. Yeah, probably. But uh, you know, it. Um, I guess in the end, it just came down to. You had, to develop, you had to develop a deeper relationship and understanding of self. Yes, That's absolutely. what it come down to. Because yep. what you're yep. saying, you were the mad poindexter from school, yep. you know, soaking yourself in academia and coming through and setting up 12 businesses and whatever. And then all of a sudden, the idea of the context, the ideology of you know, there being deeper meaning mm. was for you instantly woo-woo because that's yep. where your, that's where your yep. mind yep. knew to go, right? But all of a sudden, having to uh, understand and moreover accept the fact mm. that, hey, I'm you know, a deeper character than this is more to me. It, it, it is. It's about knowing yourself yeah, deeper, yeah. isn't it? You Conscious know? awareness. It's like I say to people, you know, they, they say to me, oh, you know, how how do we sort of make this transition? You know, how do mm. how do I actually get to the truth without my ego having to you know, um, you know jump in and saturate the outcome? Yep. And I say to them, ask the question and wait for the answer. Mm. Don't don't try to 
preempt it, profitize it. it. You know mm. what I mean? Because like, it's never the answer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you, your first thought is is generally never right. Mm. You know, but your gut feel is always right. You it's know, right. and I say to people, just let it sit. You know, don't try to make it what it's not. Don't try to predict what you yep. might think it mm. should be or what the outcome would best. You know, or, or, or um, feel better like for you from mm. a uh, a comfort perspective just ask the question and just let it sit and you'll be very surprised at what point in the in the coming weeks or months that all mm. of a sudden the feeling will just appear yep. and you will know it becomes it's like it's it's like a fiber in your being yep. when you know okay well this is what I've got to do and for me you know being on the road now for two and a half years th- that didn't come naturally to me trust me I went straight into my fear uh, aspect yep. of you know fuck I can't do that how am I going to earn money with yep. it? like everyone else does I must say but when I ran it through my truth and let the answer come up, my, my answer was, trust Michelle. Mm. You know, I've always very much been the leader in our relationship. It's, it's just the roles that we've taken. Mm. And it was just like, let her lead. You know, she's busting to lead. She wants to lead. I trust her. I know she's got um, mm. our best interests at, at her heart. Just let her do it. So yep. I, I had to just trust her. Yep. You know, but... Um, if someone said, "I'll oh, just trust Michelle, get a caravan, spend a quarter of a million bucks, and take off," I'd be like, "Fuck, who are you?" you yeah, know? That's right. But that's what felt right at the time. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's really, really important. But critical evaluation, guys, you've got to start asking the right questions. I, can, I, I, can I suggest there's there's a question that I've that I've used a lot, and you know, I, I teach that a lot, which is three words: How can I? Mm. Right, and which is an extension of what you're saying is ask the question, and you wait. You do wait for an answer mm. because if you actually ask it. Your subconscious will start doing work. Your, your, you know, your intuitive sense will start to. Oh, that sounds a bit woo-woo to me. It, 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 it was a bit, was a bit woo-woo, um, but uh, but I found it to be too consistent, you yeah. know, with me and with others. So so, it it, it just to me it's fact now. You yep. know, it's gone from woo-woo to fact Proofs because I see it. I can I can literally go right. I'm going to test this again. I'm going to go right. I need to figure this out. And I'm going to ask that question. And then I get a phone call like an hour later from somebody and they're having me talking about something and, and then suddenly my question's answered. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even do anything. Yeah. They rang me. Yep. So it's interesting how if you put it out there, you can actually get that, start getting the, the right message coming back. You know, it's not going to come through your head. If it's coming into your head first, mm. it's probably your ego telling you or trying to trick you out of doing something because it's trying to keep you safe. Your mm. ego's trying to keep you safe in a programming that you had in the past. Yep. But, um, you know, your, your intuition's got that, um, that, future in mind right mm. knows what that future well, it's is a soul contract isn't it you it know is. and uh soul contracts are never um cashed in on yeah. by living in a state of fear yeah. you know that's unfortunately the reality mm. let's kick off to number kick two, number two. We got? so the the second step was that i had to start evaluating you know what is serving me and what's enslaving me mm. and that you talk about that on any level it could be a relationship level it could be a financial level it could be debt because you got two cars, a jet ski, a boat, you know, personal loan and private school fees and all sort of stuff. And you've got all the stuff that everyone says you should have, mm. but you're still not you've happy. you've got to work 70 hours yeah, a week. working 70 hours happen. a week. Don't even know who these kids are that go to private school. Mm. Um, I think you're one of mine, aren't you? You know, like, you know, <laughs> you look, like they, they look like, yeah, unfortunately, but, yeah. uh, but uh, I mean about me, not you. But, uh, um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 it is, what's the cost versus reward? So, by having, say, a fancy car, you know, I, I had a chance to drive my brother's um, Mercedes C63, you know, coupe that he had for a week uh, when he was away. Beautiful machine. And one of my favourite cars, still is my favourite car, the sound is just incredible and just a piece of engineering genius. And I had to drive it for a week and I was looking to buy another car and I, and I, I could have bought it. I could have bought that car, you know, that same type of car. But when I looked at it, I went, 
but I could buy one for half the price with a lot less stress, just as enjoyable. Then I'm not going to worry about where I park it or someone mm. keying it mm. or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for a different car. So I ended up buying a, a different car, which I was completely happy with. You're also not going to worry about the depreciation no, of no. Well, yeah. <laughs> Did you buy a $150,000 car yesterday? Well, actually now it's worth eighty because I've driven it out of the showroom. Um, but it's that cost versus reward. So so let's look at my, you know, the businesses that I had with. I had a number of business partners at that point, uh, one of which is still my business partner in some of those businesses we have left. You know, yeah. he's been there for what, 14 years. And we had to assess, you know, how scaling this business and it was stressful and it was 60, 80 hours a week plus sometimes. Um, it was all consuming. Um, you know, there was challenges with our model. Um, there was challenges with relationships between the partners. And, and I think we just said, there's this empty seat there. We need to hire someone. You know, you're breathing. Sit there. You're hired, <laughs> you know. Um, we hadn't, at that point, weren't, I didn't have the skills that I have now. You know, in running that business, I didn't didn't know what I didn't know, you know, at that point, which is that, that you know, famous saying. Um, but it's it ends up coming to be the cost versus reward. So what's the cost of, you know, we had a, a house, which we, from starting my businesses, the first five years of starting my businesses back in the early 2000s, um, you know, personally, my wife and I went down a financial hole of multiple six figures, multiple, multiple six figures, you know, mm. financial hole, because the business was was surviving and moving forward and growing rapidly, but it chews up cash. Mm because we're doubling every year, you know, for a few years and increasing rapidly. So it's chewing cash. So we couldn't pull anything out personally. We were going down a financial black hole ourselves personally. So it took a long time for us to dig ourselves back out of that. But also the the feeling of not being successful and things like that, had the house and had that debt secured against the house. And eventually we made that decision now three years ago, almost to the day now actually, that we sold it. Is, you know what, despite me spending a 50,000 hours renovating it myself, you know, with my own two hands, blood, sweat, tears, and a lot of swearing, um, that I need, it was time to let it go. Because what was it costing us? It was costing us more than it was giving us. Mm. And in the end, it was just a house, mm. you know? And, 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 you're, and, you're, and you're what? Hanging on to the dream that it, you know, it might yeah, triple in price in the next 15 price, years or something. It's like, well, so will any other house. But, it's, but the, the, there was an emotional attachment to it. You know, yeah. We got married in the house. You know, we had our, our wedding in the backyard in a nice barley hut that I'd built and things like that. And um, we had our reception in the front section of the house. You know, both my kids were born and were brought back to that house. You know, my it's still just bricks and mortars there. though, right? But in the end... Yeah, it, it, the home is where you are, not the actual building. So we made that decision, got out of there, moved somewhere else and rented for the first time in my life. I'd never rented. You know, I'd always owned. And because and, I thought, oh, you would never rent, you know. That's it. And I had to get over that. My yeah, ego had, had a challenge. Yeah, my ego had a bit of a challenge with that. And I thought, well, what's the point in buying somewhere and hating it and then losing $100,000 in stamp duty and all the rest of it? I said, we'll just go and rent. So we did. And we did hate it. And I was glad that we didn't buy it. So then we moved somewhere else and we liked it. But there was just something else. Again, it was like, what is the cost of us having this beautiful house, got a pool, all sort of stuff? Yeah, you'd think, oh, that's fantastic. Again, kids going to the, the Montessori school, and I was on the board of for three and a half years. They're very supportive in the community. But then I had to go, right, what's it costing me? Think Even things like the school board. It started costing me more than I than, mm. than Another, I was, another than 10 hours a week. Yeah, it's, but, but not so much in time. It was, it was kind of... I just felt it wasn't... I'd done my... I'd given what I could give. Mm. And I just didn't feel I was getting back... The, not that I was doing it voluntarily to get back, I was giving to the school, but I just thought, you know, I can't give any more. I'm spread too thin and, and my path's now shifting. And, and so I, I stepped back once we got that school back into a, in a good position. But um, so the, the um, you know, cost versus reward is very important. You know, so think about what is it that you've got in your life that's actually enslaving you? You know, I mean, if, if, if that's the question I suggest to my, um, you know, to any, anyone I'm working with who's struggling with, that purpose and they've got the stuff you know one of my clients i was talking to recently the other day he was saying that he's like you know i've got the house i've got the um you know i've got the house i've got the flash car i've got the um you know just went on a five-week holiday something else and i 
it's the first time ever I've said to my wife, I don't want to go to work today. Wow. Right? This is a very successful business that's, that's grown substantially in the last eight years. You know, won business awards, all sorts of stuff. He goes, I don't want to go to work today. You know, and, he's, and he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe that he actually said it himself. Mm. And so he reached out and we had a good chat about it. I said, well, is that a, is that a sign? You know, is something shifting? You need to you need to change something, you know? So in the end, that's that's what you've got to do. And so he's now looking at that and seriously considering things like, well, okay, if I did sell my house, what's the worst thing that happened? You know, I could go and... That's number three. Something small. Point number three. Point number three. If I change something, what's the worst thing that could happen? Or what Continue do I need story. to do? Yes. That's right. So that now it's 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 about then saying, okay, so... If I change this, what would the ramifications be? Mm. You know, if I sold my house, you know, well, we, do we still have somewhere to live? Well, absolutely. Well, look at that. We actually start saving money because mm. it actually costs a lot less to rent than it does to buy based on where we were living. Yeah, what like, the hypothesis, though, too, of if I make a shift, what's the worst that can happen? It just alleviates all that fear, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. it? It drags the fear from the unconscious yep. straight to the conscious brain. It allows you to go, okay, I'll still have a roof of my head. My husband and my wife still love me. I've still got my kids. I still go mm. to school. <laughs> You know, is that it? Yeah, you realise right. that you know it's not like you've got you know terminal cancer, absolutely, and you're not going to make it through next week. You know, yeah, so yeah. and things are just things in the end. And this is what I realise. I'm sure you did too. We've got half a 20 foot container is all we've got left in the world, other than what's in our caravan, our four wheel drive. Mm. Now, it was a painful process picking up everything and going right. Is this going to Vinnie's? Is this going in the bin? Is it going in the caravan? Is it going in the in the bloody container? It was a pain in the ass to go through that whole process. But we literally shed 90 percent of our belongings. Isn't it a good feeling? And once it was done, it nearly broke me yeah. doing it because it was just such a there was such a short time frame to get it done in. Mm. But afterwards, it was just like when we got on the road in the last three months, we've probably shared another twenty twenty five percent of what we took with us <laughs> because you bought too much away too in much your one stuff. caravan. That's yeah. right, and it's like, we've now got space. We've now got giant spots where it's like, oh, okay, well, there's nothing in there. Okay, yep. that's all right because and the cl- the kids don't even play. They only play with like three things. Yeah, their scooters. You know, Aston runs around with his little wooden guns, and Charlie draws. Like that's it. They've got stuff under the bed we brought. They've never even touched in That's four and a cool, half months. They're out there with sticks and coconuts and you name it. Wait till you get to where I am, mate. You'll just be pleased you've got seven pairs of undies in your top drawer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't need any more than that. Yeah, You're that's all good. Right. It's, it's good stuff. So, so yeah, so really is, and I think you said it before, is, is that one is about changing something. It's about being adaptable. Yeah, adaptation. Right? Yeah. Because are we adaptable? Absolutely we are. You know, if something happened to you and blindsided you um, that wasn't your choice, you would adapt, mm. right? Hands down, you would adapt. But what you can do is you can actually choose to adapt. You can say, well, I'm over here. I actually want to be over there. Yep. So, but what am I going to, how am I going to, need to adapt to get there? Mm. Um, and, 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 when I, and when I get there, if it's not what yeah. I thought it would be, next, right. yeah, if I right. get there and I love it. And remember, it's not a destination. Else. As you said earlier, it's like people think, oh, you live in the dream. You're in the caravan. You know, that's been my dream forever. Well, never my dream. I never owned a four-wheel drive before. Yeah, right. I never owned a caravan. I, I couldn't stand camping to save my life. I, I wouldn't even go into a public was. bloody toilet pretty much, you know. Yeah. I don't know what my dream is, but I'm like, this seems like something that could help shake me up, get yeah. me out of my comfort zone, get yeah. me out of this this same freaking routine of doing the same thing and Groundhog Day of waking up, getting back on the freaking hamster wheel and, and feeling like, what is the bloody point? You know, which which it got to that point at times, you know? And, um, you know, that ability to then just go, well, which brings us to number four, which is you have to make sure that you're not sitting in limbo by making a decision to make a change. So you can be thinking about it. You can research it. You know, you can look at it. You can look at the whether your proverbial caravan, whatever it is. It might be that you want to start, you know, being an artist versus being a, a banker, mm. or you know, you want to 
go and tour around Asia for three months and you know on a on a freaking push bike. It doesn't matter. Whatever your thing is, whatever that is, is what we're talking about here. We're not talking about getting in a caravan. It's just a, just what we've done, and it's just the same journey I think for everyone. And the problem is if you and I found it myself in numerous times. There's numerous things, you know, even recently that I've sat in for a long time, far longer than I <laughs> than I shoulda, coulda, woulda, but yeah. I did, um, and I suffered for it. There was actual suffering, you know, in in me. Um, sitting in that limbo of not deciding. Mm. But you've got to be cautious too, is don't try and make a decision about, oh, am I going to put my wedding on the 26th of February in 2022? Is it going to rain that day? Yeah. Because you don't know, right? And I think a lot of people sit, try and make decisions in the future when they're not there yet. But the problem is it's when you're standing at that T intersection, you can either go left mm. or you can go right and you stay standing there. Yeah. And that's the bit where suffering comes from. And I found I've suffered, as I said, even recently in some big decisions I had to make, including decisions coming here, including backing myself out of an environment that I loved in the, you know, in the, you know, the K2 environment. I absolutely loved the people. I loved the, the, the change you could see in people. I loved the outcome. I loved the, um, you know, what I learned, what I took away and the relationships that I've built. But I had to make a decision that, that for me, what am I willing to sacrifice to continue to do that? And I'd, I'd invested, you know, five to half to 60 years of my life in, in, in that. And I thought, you know what, now it's time. Now it's time for me to go and do and really step out and do my own thing and speak with my own voice. And when you did that, you didn't know what would happen. But, you know, yeah. it's like, for me, purgatory is always far worse a place than heaven or hell. Absolutely. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? It's, it's the not knowing yep. that you're going to heaven or hell. That's the yep. problem. Do you know what yep. I mean? And for me, heaven or hell might be you know, somewhere on a beach with palm trees and somewhere in you know the red dirt where it's 50 degrees and there's no swimming pool. Do you yep. know? But at the end of the day, I'd rather make the move and get there fast mm. and know that I'm not there and then adapt and then mm. you know move to the next point rather yep. than stay in purgatory and worry about, okay, I'll stay Absolutely. here because I'm comfortable. Absolutely. A bit, bit, bit like you in Port Douglas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Four weeks. <laughs> well, three, in, three weeks, Port Douglas. You're spending yeah, yeah. far too long in one spot, mate. <laughs> yeah, we, real, we did realise that after four and a half months we've only made it from Sydney up to you know, Port Douglas and then came back to Cairns to obviously catch up with you guys. But um, but the uh, we've realised that when we've kind of got into a a slower routine than, than's actually serving us mm. because we're kind of finding there's a bit of boredom and there's it's not what we were doing initially when mm. we were jumping from all places and new exciting stuff and when my six-year-old comes up to me, she goes, oh, Daddy, um, you know, I had you. I was at Early Beach. You know, we'd been there for eight days, and uh, that was about the longest we'd been anywhere. We were actually there for a month because I had to come back for Sydney for two weeks, so it was a good spot to keep the family there. And um, yeah, well, it's the number one caravan park in Australia, so you know, it was, wasn't bad. Oh, did you have a go on the water slides? Yeah, when are all thirteen, Daddy? All thirteen water slides. Yeah. And then I said, Oh, did you like? She goes, Yeah, yeah. She goes, But you know what? I'm sick of this place. We need to go somewhere else. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> so she already adapted to this this gypsy, you know, nomadic kind of lifestyle life, of right. of moving, and we've realised that we've probably slow down a bit much so we're going to as of you know Sunday kick, when we leave kicking here, a bit. we're kicking a bit yeah absolutely so even though forward. you're here and you're living the dream you've still got to adapt you do we do. We have to adapt and realise that hang on now this is not serving this having this sort of downtime and not planning well enough and mm. things like that because it is very easy when you're in as I said before when I literally didn't know what day it was when you asked me because um, no, it doesn't, it doesn't that, matter it wasn't you know? a joke I didn't no, know either no, it was, that's <laughs> right and it doesn't actually matter but when you fall into that sometimes you can fall to the lazy side of that and for me yeah. um, my personality is an achiever yeah. then I start feeling a bit flat and yeah. it's like okay why am I feeling flat oh, it's because I'm not achieving I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not achieving what I want to achieve mm. I'm allowing myself to fall into that that sort of lazier pattern mm. so yeah mm. but then the next step 
Fifth tool. The next step, fifth tool, is actually taking the action to make it happen. Now, you talk about when we uh, were chatting at the back of the room in June last year, um, and I was asking you lots of questions because we had considered it a few months before that. I don't know, we'd, we'd spoken briefly before that. Um, I think it was about February that year. But we kind of took it off the table. And then it was a few months later, it came back, it sort of came back louder and clearer for me. And that's why at the back of the room, I'm talking to you and you said the Matrix quote, you know, it's like I'm taking the red pill. I'm like, you had me at hello. <laughs> um, and, um, and, uh, oh, I don't want you. Within, yeah. <laughs> you got me sitting here, mate. Uh, so we had, uh, so then basically from that conversation, within two and a half weeks, I had my forward drive. Yeah. And within four weeks, I had my caravan. Yeah. And the fifth week, we were on doing our first, uh, or fifth or sixth week, we were doing our first sort of test run for a week. And did that liberate you? I actually haven't asked you this. You know, has it been the liberation you thought it would be making the change? It's a dramatic change, right? So you've gone through your five tools, you've actually actioned something, regardless of what that thing is. Has it been the liberation you're expecting? I guess I didn't go in with over-the-top expectations. Yep. I thought, you know, this is going to shake me up. This is going to make me uncomfortable. This is going to be, I'm going to have to do things that I've not done before that I don't necessarily like doing. Um, and, uh, you know, like going in public toilets and showers and stuff. Um, I, thought but, gonna, I thought you were going to say emptying the uh, emptying oh, the toilet yeah, emptying cartridge. Emptying the toilet cartridge, that's right. That's why if anyone does a number two, they have to clean yeah, it themselves. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, was it? Uh, probably not as much as I, I thought because yeah. I guess I still attached a bit of a, like a, uh, this is kind of a destination. It's kind of a hallelujah thing. Yeah. Well, it's not. Yeah. You still wake up and look in the mirror. You still right. look in your own face yeah, in yeah, the mirror. Absolutely. The mirror might be smaller, and you can't take a step backwards because the toilet's right there. <laughs> but but you know, it, it, it's it's the same. You are the same. But what it's actually done, I suppose, the whilst that was less, I think the overall um, perspective that I've got has been more. Mm. It's been deeper, but it's been broader. Like not it's not what I expected, but it's actually been more. You know the 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 you know the connection with the kids has dramatically improved. You know, like out of sight. Um, the 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 time to actually just and that, stop, that, slow and, down, and that there, that's enough. Well, it's it? enough, absolutely, absolutely. But but to add to that, it's like the ability to actually stop and ponder stuff and mm. think about stuff. Mm. You know, I've had content for my my own clients and my own um, events that I run. Um, I've had content literally just appear in my head, and I just get a pen out and draw it or write it down and then I deliver it and people are like, holy crap, that's just really strong. Now, I didn't have the headspace for that when I was busy doing other things and mm. and serving, you know, 50, 100 people every month and supporting them because I was spread too thin in my own myself, you know. So what I found is that is making that shift, whether it's in a caravan or whether it's going from being a banker to an artist, you know, um, that shift, I guess, would probably have the same sort of impact to people that it's going to be as challenging as all crap because living in a, even though it's you know, a couple of foot longer than your van and we've got one less child, it's still challenging. You know, you're still in a confined space. You still can't escape. Mm. You know, from a relationship perspective, it means that, you know, my wife and I have to deal with stuff a lot faster. We can't go and hide for three days in another part of the house because yeah. it's so big that you can. Yep. You know, so you need to deal with things faster or get over things faster. And that always a work in progress in any relationship, but that's been a big you know, a big win as well is is the ability to get over shit faster, you know, not hide from it. That's massive. Yeah. That's massive. You know, you're, you're talking pivotal aspects in human communication. Absolutely. Really. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And uh, I just think that, you know, when you start talking about um, things coming to you now, do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then you deliver it at an event or, or on a phone call or whatever, and it's powerful. Mm -hmm. Power always comes from silence. 
You know, yep. you you always will get the best of yourself when you give yourself space. You know, and I think that's my great problem with with the everyday. I think that's what I've enjoyed the most is that it doesn't matter how many Pilates classes you give the guy doing eighty hour weeks. It's it, it's a poofteenth. It's a fucking little tiny grain of sand in the overall of what he does, mm-hmm. and none of that can flow across who and what you are most of the time. Do you know what yep. I mean? So um, I think that. That's that's for me has been the real takeaway. It's been able to get space. It's been able to sort of go, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk on the beach for an hour because I can. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And it does create a better rate of efficiency, I have found, even in my business. Mm. You know, greater, much greater rate of efficiency. Some of my podcast ideas have come from walking on the beach. You know, who I want to talk to mm. uh, gives me the ability to reach out to people that I might not have been able to connect with previously. You know, makes, you, makes you work harder and smarter. And, um, you know, it's it really is sort of a bit four-hour work weekish in its own way. Absolutely. You know? it, it really, I have to agree completely because it's like the – suddenly you start again. It's that, you know, number two is cost versus reward. What am I investing my time in right now and what is it costing me? So my kids are out there riding their bikes or want to go for a swim or something and I'm stuck here doing something that's actually not important. Mm. It's like, oh, close the lid. Mm. Off go I go. spend half an hour with your kids. Or I'll be like, okay, can I, can I pass that to one of my team? Actually, I can. Why I'm hanging on? Why the hell am I still hanging on to this? Mm. Pass the whole res- type an email, whatever, and have a phone call. Pass the whole responsibility of that thing on to my, one of my team members. You know, and, and strangely, the world doesn't fucking crumble. No, and what? But the other thing too is, despite the fact that I've gone from you know fifty, sixty hours a week down to um, twenty, twenty-five, yep. I've actually achieved more in the last four and a half months in my own stuff, in my own business, um, than I have probably in the last eighteen months. Can you please yeah. say that again? Say it again. Yeah. yeah. You've achieved, so achieved more, more doing less. Doing less. That's enough. In less time. That's all. You've achieved more doing less. Because I'm just focused for yeah, what I, I work with. I think that's the takeaway, yeah. isn't it? Do you know it what is. I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, it does force your hand somewhat. You do learn to get smarter. You do learn to, you know, like you, you were telling me this morning, you know, you went from like, you know, 12 businesses to six or something. It's ridiculous like that, you know? And when you think about it, it's like, well, how can any one man really invest enough of his energy into all those businesses. Now for you, it's like really two properly. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's right. Yep. And that is where, that's where the magic comes from. Yep. You know, it's, it's that laser focus. focus. It's putting things yep. where it needs to be, spreading yourself thin over everything. Tell me what was ever left for, you know, for Nat and the kids. Not a lot. No, not, not, not a lot. lot. You know, what was ever left? What, what was, was left for me? What was left? That was my yeah. next thing. What's left for Sean? You know, and when yeah. your uh, cup is continually half empty, well, that's a great big problem because you've got nothing really to give to anyone else yeah. nor, nor offer them. Yeah. So, you know, you can see where loneliness comes from a lot of the mm-hmm. time. So, like, I'm I'm really, uh, you know, grateful that you you took you know, the leap, you know, and yeah, that yeah. you, uh, and not because you listened to me, I just like seeing like you, I like some people succeed and do well. Yeah, and when, when someone's doing well in their life and has bothered to actually, you know, I know you and I have just structured five, five sort of actionable tools out that need to, uh, need to come in. But that was from a five minute conversation this morning over a coffee. And, and really at the end of the day, you know, they're things that you've done and done them subliminally. You've done mm. them just, you know, by default that we all have the choice to do every day. Yeah. Yeah, and you know? you, that that was that point this morning. I thought that I was my takeaway from our conversation was that um, about choice, which is everything is a choice. As yeah. you said, that person who's whinging and moaning about driving the car two hours from the Central yeah, Coast yeah. into Sydney every day, yeah, that's a choice. That's right. Yeah, it's a choice to go and earn that money in that place. That's, that's right. A choice. Hundred percent. Yep. And and that's and yeah, that was the example that I gave this morning. You know, these people are whinging and feel. Um, completely demoralised mm. was really it. Yeah, you know, and and you know, I don't say they have to be a smart ass now because at the time, and I was in you know um, 
clinical consultation with this person. It was, like, it was serious, you know. Um, I didn't have as many words of wisdom at the time, you know, because if someone was suffering and sitting there using half my box of Kleenex. But, you know, but that was the advice I gave. You do have that choice, you know. And so when we start to feel disempowered, when we feel that, you know, the world's getting uh, more of us than we'd like to give and there's not enough left over for us, just remember that that, that is your choice. And you're right, that drive to Sydney, you go there because you want the $2,000 return it gives you per week, mm. but you choose to do that. Oh, Absolutely. no, but I don't choose that because I need that money to pay my, pay my house off. Well, you choose to pay your house off. Yep. You choose to send your kids to that private school. You choose to drive that car. You choose to go on holiday, you know, in, in, in mm. French Polynesia whatever all of a sudden you know choice means that sometimes there's going to be multiple choices mm. and multiple actions all occurring mm. in unison um, almost like a synchronicity yep. f- to allow it all to occur you know but mm. uh, and and I didn't say that to disempower this person I said it to empower in in this case a lady and I said to her tomorrow when you get in your car and you kick it over and you're warming it up you know, Sorry, women don't warm cars up, let's be honest. <laughs> sorry, sorry. When you get in the car and you turn it on immediately and put your foot straight down, drive as fast as you can while your car's still cold, I want you to remember that you are making an empowered decision as an empowered woman who can be, do, and have anything she chooses. Yep. And right now, this is what you choose. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't, don't, don't slap yourself on the wrist and don't feel like you're a victim in your own life. It's a case of being able to realize that, hey, I've chosen this. And is it, if this still serves me, if this serves my gender, my purpose, the definition of my life, if this is what I love to do, if this fills my cup up, if I high-five myself every time I think about going to this place, well, fucking keep going. If, on the other hand, it makes you miserable and depleted and you've got nothing left for anyone else and nothing for yourself and you hate it and every single irritation on the freeway makes you want to stab someone in the throat with a fork, well, you may like to start thinking about the fact that maybe right now it's not serving you and there may be a couple of decisions that are necessary to get you back to where you need to be, mm, to get mm. you back to where you purposefully are, to get you back to what where that soul contract is yep. in alignment. Yep. You know? Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, it's the it was it was a statement said to me many years ago, uh, actually by my by my mum, believe it or not. And and I've used it many times, thanks mum. But that statement was life doesn't have to be tough. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be tough. You know, like we, I think we make it tough unnecessarily a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah, and, and why? Well, I think that's a really multifactorial answer, but I think we make life much harder than it needs to be. And sometimes it is sitting back and just having number one tool critical self evaluation. Is this to blow my skirt up? Mm. Is this what I want it to be? Is it is it making everyone happy? So you know, is my partner happy? Are my children happy? Like, is is, is everyone well and purposed and balanced? And, and is this all good? Or is there a great big problem here mm. that is difficult as it is for me to look at? We require some significant change. Absolutely. And until someone puts their hand up, until someone goes, "Yep, I'll take responsibility for that," and until someone takes responsibility and someone stands into that power seat and goes, "No, no, 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 this isn't working. We need to change this because I care enough about me and everyone around me to make the shift." Mm. Things will still keep feeling like shit. And shit is a great place to be. It's a great way to feel because it's a very, very opportunistic moment in your life when when you learn the basics of these tools and when you learn that great is just normal. Mm. Seriously. Like I have people that gave me, oh, Shannon, oh, you fixed my bloating or, you know, my bowels are amazing or I'm not getting headaches anymore or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, oh, fuck, it's so good. I feel so good. Thank you. And I go, no, 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 this isn't great. This is just normal. Mm. You've been imbalanced for so long mm. that you came to identify with that as being the norm, norm. now. You know, and that's the same thing with the, that job you hate you drive to Sydney for. You were pumped on day one. You couldn't get down that freeway fast enough. 
Do you know what I mean? You were excited because you didn't have two grand a week at that time. Mm. So you didn't have the option of the five-bedroom house and the kids in private school. So don't go bitching about it now. You know, the fact is you made a choice then that filled your cup up then. And because it's not filling your cup up now, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity to adapt. Yep. That's all. Absolutely. You know? So I guess that's my parting you know, sort of term with it all. Yep. Where, where are you with it, Sean? Have you got a parting term? What I'd like you to do, even as you're thinking about your parting term, is just go over go one, five two, again, three, yep. go. Yep. Just don't, don't uh, run through them too much. Just one, this, two, that, just so people get Absolutely. a good vibe so we can leave them with it. So again, um, number one, critical evaluation. You know, ask yourself the right questions, you know, starting around, do you feel successful and fulfilled? You know, um, we can pretty straightforward get a yes or no answer to that. Um, and what is serving me and what's enslaving me? So what's that cost versus reward? And if I change something, which is number three, if I change something, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, so it's about being a, being able to adapt. Number four is to make the decision to make the changes. Right? So don't just sit in that limbo, in that suffering, that place of suffering. And the last one is obviously take the action and make it happen. And I guess the, the, the parting thing that's coming up, which I'm feeling sort of coming up is... Um, what I've effective, what if I effectively did is, in using these five steps, is my life was built, say, out of Legos, right? And it had a particular shape. So what I did was I pulled them all apart and I'd look at which bricks I actually wanted to use and then i put it back together. Made right? a new shape. So I did. So I started back to zero, and but I left some of the bricks out. Mm. I don't want that pink one anymore. I don't want that blue one anymore. Mm. I don't want that round, funny shape one anymore because mm. it's not serving me. And then I rebuilt it in what to what I want it to look like. And you know what? It's like your kids. Like you know, I've I've got young children still. You know, as, as you've still got you know, really effectively a couple of young children. And I, th- I think about mine, even with like the things they play with, right? Like that teddy bear that they just adore every morning. The daddy, daddy, not playing teddy bear yeah. games and doing special <laughs> noises and you know, peekaboo under the sheet, whatever. Three years later that teddy's collecting dust somewhere because it's not serving her yep. or him anymore. That's right. And that's okay. We're just grateful for what it was. We're grateful mm. for what it provided us in our mm. life at that time. And, you know, we don't feel the need to scorn it or, you know, or burn it or, <laughs> or whatever or, or think negatively about it. It was just, it was, it suited me then. And that was great. And I had great memories and I've moved on. What I love in there is number three. I love the whole, you know, if I make a change, what's the worst that can happen? Because it's funny, the way I see that, it, really nothing worse than, than where you are right now, mm-hmm. really. You know what I mean? Well, a lot of business owners I talk to, it's like they're saying, oh, I've got this fear of failure. Yeah. And I go, what's your definition of success? And they, what would you call successful in your business, right? Yeah. And they describe what that is. But I say, so you're failing right now then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so why are you scared of it? You're just going to fail you're obviously differently. You're not scared enough of it because you're not running away from it to success. That's right. yeah. It's just, it's You're hilarious. just going to fail differently. Yep. And, but, but you might not mm-hmm. because where you are right now is there's no chance of improvement. Mm. But with a shift of in adaptation, th- there's a high chance of improvement. Yep. And if there's not, what's the likelihood that you'll adapt again after that one or two more times and still keep fucking it up? You have to be a complete dipshit, right, to keep <laughs> fucking it up entirely. Yep. So even if you're the dumbest person on the fucking earth, the chances are a few successive adaptative changes, yep. you're going to find your win, right? Like, Absolutely. Seriously, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and none of my listeners are that dumb, I can tell you right now. So, you know, like, I just, I think that we can really bog ourselves down and overcomplicate things and, 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 um, and get so caught up in the fear that we make really the, the problem bigger mm. than it is, yep. you know? And uh, yeah, like fail, fail. It's like we've all heard the sayings before and we've heard it from every successful businessman and every Anthony Robbins wannabe out there has always told you exactly the same thing. You know, the faster you fail, you know, the, the faster you find your feet. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. just fail, 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 fail your way to success, you know, yeah. which is the, uh, the saying. And it's so true though. 
isn't it? Absolutely. It's just so true. And, you know, all the best people that I know who are successful in their world, not just financially, they'll always say, you know, that when you get to the point where you, where you jump, you know, when you make that leap, if you don't land on that lily pad, if it's not there straight away, you will scramble quick. Yeah. <laughs> to that next point of safety. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And that's where shit gets done. It doesn't get done, you know, in the in the comfort of your office right now where you're 70% miserable. It happens when you jump and don't quite find that lily pad. And it's know? funny because I, I see a lot of, the, you know, again, a lot of business owners that I've worked with over time, that is the bit that brings the most joy oh, is actually finding the, the next lily pad, right? Because yeah. it is the journey. It's not standing on it because once you've stood on it, you're now there. It's so when you see it and you feel you salvation. Like, okay, this is how I'm going to get there. I'm going to do this and strategize like that and approach it this way and you know yeah. avoid the crocodiles and the piranha or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. But it, it's that. It is the journey. It is the journey. And we've got to stop talking about, in, as I was talking about before, success. People see it as a destination. Mm. You can wake up this morning like I do. Most days I wake up, I feel like a nine plus out of 10 that I'm successful mm. because of my definition, because I can be successful now. Does that mean I don't have goals or aspirations for things in the future? Absolutely, I do. Mm. I have huge goals and aspirations, but success is defined in the moment, not in the future. And it's the journey. Success is the journey. Mm. Yeah. So. so true. You know what? We'll leave it there. Um, I've got a lot from it, Sean. Thanks, Abe. Really course, appreciate, appreciate the it. conversation. And, and I'm glad we did that. Like I said, guys, very, very impromptu, this one. It was just, you know what? Fuck, you know, let's put headphones on if we're going to have this conversation. I think people will get something from this, you know. And the fact I'm two and a half years into my success journey, you're four and a half months into yours. I think that it's, it was a good conversation. I'm, I'm really pleased we had it. And I hope all you listeners out there got something from this conversation as well. Uh, we'll see you next week on the uh, Travelling Wellness Show, guys. Uh, Sean Sewell, look him up. He's all over the joint. Have you got somewhere anyone can find you, Sean? Uh, SeanSewell.com. S-E-A-N-S-W-L-E.com. Yeah, you're one of those CNs, aren't you? Anyway, both names. CNs. Spell it. <laughs> All good. Love your time, mate. And, uh, love Likewise, your work. Mate. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.